Hello and welcome to another episode of Impressions of America. I'm Simon and with me are my co-hosts Toby and Vaughn. Hi guys. Hi Simon. Hello. On today's show we're going to be looking at the events of the past couple of weeks and uh, trying to figure out what the hell is going on in America right now. Uh, we're going to start by looking at the Democratic race to be uh, to be the president. We have uh, we have a candidate now chosen to, uh, to run in November which is uh, Mr. Biden. Uh, so I guess the outstanding question, outside of his uh, health uh, sticking together and uh, no uh, no big scandals between now and November, is that who he's going to choose as his uh, VP? Uh, Toby, any any immediate thoughts on uh, the the Biden uh, Biden whoever ticket? Yeah, Biden whoever ticket. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think it breaks down on. I think two fault lines. Biden has said that he's definitely going to have a woman as his um, vice presidential nominee, but it's whether or not Biden really needs the African American vote, or he's going for a white woman candidate. So it really it breaks down on the I think probably the, the race of the candidate and what the candidate can really bring to the table. So, I mean, in the odds, Kamala Harris seems to be leading that, which is odd because she hasn't really said anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. And um, But then there's Stacey Abrams, who wasn't a candidate for president, and she lost her Georgia gubernatorial race. And, you know, she worked in the, the Georgia assembly but it doesn't seem like she is really being put up quite high in the election um stakes even though uh, there's a lot of chatter about her which is which i find quite um weird really uh vaughn any any thoughts on immediate thoughts on a who's kind of in contention and who and b who you'd like to see in the in the running for it uh, yeah, I th- I think like everything Toby said is spot on. Um, I I think it's kind of weird that Kamala Harris is the the kind of most popular pick at the moment with a lot of um, kind of theorists around this because I mean, do you guys remember in that debate when she decimated Biden <laughs> like that? That doesn't really bode well for her, um, I would think. But mm. she is kind of the favorite at the moment um, f- to be his VP pick. And then there's also Amy Klobuchar, um, mm. who has had a couple Biden gaffes of her own saying that she is joining the ticket. Um, but of course, Biden hasn't said anything definitive about that yet. He All he said is that... Um, it's definitely going to be a woman and that he's going to have the committee picked for vetting his VP choices by the first week of May. Um, but that we won't actually know who his, his pick is until probably end of June, early July. Um, so there's yeah. one, one name that hasn't come up yet and that is Warren. What are our thoughts on a, a possible uh, Warren Biden ticket? I think 
that Warren went on TV and said, I think it was on Maddow, she said that she would be very, she'd be happy and she'd accept it. And I, I mean, on an obvious level, like, okay, Warren is more progressive and she brings in more progressives. But, but, but one of Biden's major problems is with young people. And actually, if you look at Warren's presidential race, she didn't really attract young people. In fact, there, there's the, the ire between the Warren camp and the, and the, the Bernie bros, which actually, which, you know, have some, which does seem to have some legitimacy, at least on Twitter, was even more rancorous than that between Warren and Biden or, or sort of any other factions almost. So it, it is, it's, it's really interesting. I don't really think Warren, although I think I'd be quite happy for Warren to become the VP pick because I think Biden's brain is, uh, and so basically she will, she might become president, but in terms of bringing in that coalition, I don't think she has the, the ability to. Do you not think she adds the more liberal voice uh, or the liberal backing that, say, might, the people who wanted Bernie, who aren't going to get Bernie, who might see Elizabeth Warren as a, you know, olive branch to them? Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is that we, we don't really know how these things break down in terms of, demographics or in terms of like voter bases but like the the liberal progressive type media say on the majority report you know um with sam cedar or the people on the the who do the sun i think it's the sun rises show on and on the hill and chapo trap house people like that they all just kind of dislike porn mm-hmm. you know so it's like, how are they going to be able to rally their people around someone that they've been vilifying for, say, not, you know, completely buying into Medicare for all and, and um, not endorsing Bernie mm-hmm. and actually, you know, having behind closed doors a, a difficult relationship with Bernie and not feeling that necessarily um that bernie was a great legislator even though she's she thinks maybe bernie's a great campaigner she maybe doesn't feel that bernie has a great record of legislative accomplishments and and, you know they seem to have a different theory of power so it's it's not as it's not a straight sell to buy in those people like um i think kamala harris and stacey abrams or you know i mean the the African American vote, the African American voters did not come in as strongly for Hillary Clinton. It, um, turnout was down, even though they sort of voted for uh, the Democrats, and eighty percent turnout was down. So, getting an African American on the ticket, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's simple. It's, it's, and actually, even Amy Klobuchar, that there was a piece in the Washington Post written by Jennifer Rubin, who's a sort of centrist type person, and, and she wrote in glowing terms Amy Klobuchar and I feel like the Klobuchar thing sort of makes sense in a way because that's the sort of faction of the Democratic Party but the Warren thing is is it's is more more interesting and, and it's not as simple as all that I think it, it's it's um in polling it says that in Wisconsin and in Michigan Warren is the most um I would say popular VP choice 
So it's not as simple as that, but it's, it isn't, it also isn't as simple as, oh, if you have Warren on the ticket, you'll sort out the Biden's problems with the progressives. So, Vaughn, uh, just looking at the other candidates, it could be then Jill Biden has actually said that she'd love Michelle Obama to be the VP candidate. What, what are your thoughts on a, a possible uh, return to the White House for the Obamas? Um, I, think, I think Joe Biden has also said it, that he would love to have um, Michelle Obama on his ticket, but she has repeatedly said that she doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if, if her position as former first lady is as strong as some of the other candidates or some of the other potential um, prospective VPs in terms of leadership ability, which Biden has said is one of his um, more important factors in making this decision is someone who both has the experience and the following to potentially be president. Because I think that's what this one's more about, this decision. Um, Nobody is ever really this invested in who the VP pick is going to be. Um, But, I mean, he'll be 78 on Inauguration Day if he wins. And he's already experiencing some kind of, like, health issues with Biden. Um, So I think this, this kind of pick for his VP is going to be more about who could potentially be president um, within the next four years if something mm-hmm. happens to Joe Biden. So I, I, don't think, I don't think there really is a possibility that it would be Michelle Obama. I would be really shocked if it was Michelle Obama. And in the same terms, I'd be really shocked if it was Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, j- just following on from that, Chris Eliza at CNN has a video about uh, Michelle Obama being the uh, the VP again. It's not really a serious sort of video, it but it's uh, and Chris Eliza isn't really a serious journalist to be honest. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like Michelle Obama. She's great, you know. She has a one of the best-selling memoirs of all time. It sold what ten million copies, and uh, she's working on sort of uh, a, with a voter turn turnout advocacy the secret group which is uh doing quite well but i mean as uh Warren, um vaughn said she she hasn't really uh, made any indication that she wants it she's also said that she lacks uh leadership experience and hasn't been in a leadership role before even in a sort of ab- abstract way she would get the african-american vote she she would galvanize liberals yeah i mean michelle obama is absolutely fantastic she's a wonderful woman she's an incredible um kind of role model for young women everywhere um that's that's nothing to kind of degrade her in any way i just i don't know if she should be president or potentially a president um yeah that's basically the litmus test because we don't know if biden can go through four years do we think there's a any chance of a Sarah Palin type out of the blue, uh, or just Sarah Palin? Sarah maybe. Palin, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, making making a good uh, relationship with Russia is very important. So I think maybe she would be the uh, the natural successor. Is there a is there anyone that you know 
we're not kind of predicting who's, who's a dark horse or is it pretty much it's going to be between five or six people as we know or is there in some world where the way candidates shake out where he's not going to pick a female after all this are we i mean it seems pretty certain he's going to pick a a female candidate and it's going to be one of five or six people is there any other candidate that could somehow sneak into this um i've seen some buzz around gretchen whitmer Mm. um but i don't know how the last couple weeks of the michigan protests being kind of like the epicenter of these quarantine protests against the stay-at-home order um i don't know if that would probably backfire on that decision a lot because she has been in the news very negatively recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a little buzz. It wasn't really very serious kind of Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams. Um, it was just kind of this question of like, is there a possibility dark horse? And it would probably be Gretchen Whitmer if it is. Is there anything left to be said as far as the candidate here or... <sighs> I mean, I suppose we are in a bit of a unique situation where we are almost picking a a candidate who, as you said, could step in to be president rather than someone who's just going to be filling what is almost an arbitrary role, almost with vice president. I mean, they don't do all that much. It, it is a unique situation where we are kind of picking a backup president more than anything else at this point. Can you really think of a, a presidency or a potential presidency that's ever, you know, come down to who's the best person to take over the reins from someone who might not be mentally stable or physically able in the next four years? I mean, if you look at JFK, for example, he did pick someone with great, you know, legislative experience like Lyndon Johnson. But you, you, you don't really have to because the expectation mm-hmm. is that you'll be president. Yep. Vaughn, you don't fancy being VP yourself? Um, I mean, I'll throw my hat in there. I don't mind. <laughs> You've got, you've got my vote for whatever that counts. <laughs> Thank you. Right, okay. Uh, so I guess we should probably move on from potential VP to whatever the hell is going on in America right now. Um, I don't really know where to start with this other than the fact that over the past week or so, Trump has had some uh, interesting press press conferences. We've seen him throw his support behind people who are taking their guns and marching on their local government to proclaim that they don't want to be shut inside anymore and that they need haircuts. I mean, at least probably part of that is true. Those people probably do need haircuts. Um, Outside of that, we've also got the whatever the hell's going on with Trump's idea that people can use, you know, disinfectant or strong light or something else to... uh, uh, to fix themselves. There's also, I suppose, what leads from that is the fact that we got a very clear demonstration of how Trump will say one thing, the right-wing media will try and spin it another way, and then an even different version will come out. In this, in this time, it, it came that it went from Trump saying those things, he didn't actually really mean it, what he meant was X. Actually, he did mean it, but he was joking, and he was trying to lay a trap for the media. And I think we kind of get a, a perfect snapshot of the Trump presidency and how the right-wing media report and gaslight uh, the presidency. It's kind of a perfect storm. I don't really know where you guys want to begin. Vaughn, have you got any anything in particular you'd like to start on what the hell's going on in America right now? Um, I mean, it is just, it's it's the hottest mess that we've been in since Trump was elected, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was watching 
oh, I don't remember who I was watching, but I was watching someone the other day um, who said, oh, I think it was actually Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah said that this is the first time that um, Trump has to clean up a mess that he hasn't personally made as president or mm. has had some kind of effect in making an issue. Um, so this is the first time in the last three and a bit years that we've actually experienced Trump as a president mm. um, and dealing with a kind of international issue where the U.S. response will impact the rest of the world in real time, mm -hmm. um, whether through the economy or, or otherwise. And I think that really kind of changed my perspective on this because I've been very concerned about the fact that it is the hottest mess we've been in. But it, but it is the first crisis that Trump hasn't been at the center of. And he doesn't know how to respond to it because he didn't make the mess. And we're just watching him flounder and just say anything that comes to mind like he normally does. But with this, kind, like he normally says it with a kind of backdrop of I know how I started this. So I have a kind of inclination of how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But your man told us to inject Lysol. Like what? What is that? <laughs> and then he said he'd turn it over to medical doctors to see if they could test that. And it come on. So it's, it's just, it's a, a, an even darker time to be an American, I feel like, um, with him at the, at the helm of this unprecedented historical crisis. I think what's interesting as well is, as you quite rightly say, you know, we are kind of watching Trump flounder as he tries to deal with this. I think, I think what it re-emphasizes maybe kind of what you, you kind of forget is that with someone like Trump, you're not just getting someone who is like signing bills that will, you know, hurt immigrants or that will cut off rights or LGBT people. Like because of his incompetence of running anything, we are seeing the difference between say a leader in Germany and a leader in America right now, or a lack of a leader. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can, it's very easy to think of, if you vote in a Democrat or Republican, you kind of get like a block set of this is what they'll do and this is how they'll, the policies they'll bring in. But sometimes it's only when a disaster strikes, then you get to see like the competence of actual leadership rather than of policy that you actually get an idea of what they are. You know, we know how badly George Bush got blamed for the Katrina fallout and that kind of thing. Right. Um. You know, and what we're seeing now here with Trump is someone who, you know, is so disconnected from reality it is just it, it it's it's frightening to think that he is in charge of trying to save people's lives when he you know he clearly has no real idea what's going on and he really doesn't care about human life in any meaningful way and you know you contrast that to some other leaders around the world not all of them good but you know Merkel in, in Germany is is always seen as an example of you know here's a former scientist who's you know really smart and you know she seems to genuinely care about the people of Germany and indeed the people of the world. And you contrast that to Trump. And I think for me, it's, it's reiterated um, how important it is to have someone who is competent at dealing with a uh, big crisis and where leadership is needed rather than maybe necessarily just picking someone who's got good policy and who can, you know, write a good speech or something like that. Um, 
is there any any thoughts on what you're seeing right now from the Trump presidency? Is it you change your mind on Trump? Are you even more of a Trump supporter now after the last few weeks? <laughs> um, I, I just think he he just has a lack of respect for government mm-hmm. mm. and um, things like um, advocating the use of bleach pads or UV rays. There's a it's it's almost like a. I don't know. He's like a, a, a traveling salesman almost mm-hmm. selling the the American people these kinds of carnival, you know, esque uh, toxins and things like that. And it, 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 it really strikes a deep contrast with with um, an appreciation for good governance and technocratic governance. And, I, and I, like, as you say, it's not Democrat or Republican. It's it's uh, just about competence now. I think what, what's interesting, I mean, we, we know, uh, you might have seen on Twitter, the, the Onion article from a month ago where mm-hmm. the, the headline is, you know, local man goes to shop and buys one of every bleach or detergent or something, cleaning product on the off chance, you know, Trump will say this is the latest cure. And of course, it's, you know, it turns out to be one month later, that's exactly what's happening. It is kind of weird living in a the world as an Onion article environment. I think it, it's... You know we're kind of politically minded and you know for us you know it's kind of natural to kind of project ahead to what this means for you know november what this means for the election it, it's it kind of feels hard for myself anyway not to feel that as a little bit crass only in the fact that you know i'd almost vote for a republican right now you know for six more months in charge if they were actually helping save people's lives you know you'd almost put the political thing to one side if it meant that you know, states were getting all the help they need. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm generally, you know, we're at, what, 54,000 and counting, I think, on the death count in America right now. I mean, who knows what number we get to and at what point Trump almost just stops caring about this, you know, if he ever cared in the first place. I mean, I am generally worried that we could be looking at more and more months of, of this continued, you know, America is not shutting down properly or America wants to reopen quickly because Trump wants the uh, he wants the economy to get back in a strong position ahead of the election and he's stoking the fires off you know we need to bring uh, people's rights back and it's horrible that they can't go to a cafe or they can't sit in a, a hair salon or something like that and it, it it feels a little bit crass to think about how this will impact the election in November but at the same time we I guess we have to think about how is Trump approaching this and Trump's you know you either take the idea that Trump is no idea what he's doing or you take it as he's going to make some calculated decision over the next few weeks and months to make sure that he can get certain talking points in ahead of November and we've already seen that a little bit to some degree with the fact that you know he's trying to shut down immigration now on you know uh, I think uh, I think it's uh, restricting green card access and that kind of stuff, which isn't actually as strong as as first mentioned. But this, he's going to be cracking down probably more on the the idea of immigration as uh, the the key stone to you know getting America rebuilt. And perhaps that's what Trump is. You know, maybe he can't play on the economy card if the economy is going to be tanking over the next few months, and maybe he's going to have to go back to we have to get these bad immigrant people out of our country if we want to save it again it's Vaughn I don't know if you've got any ideas on 
on how how we're supposed to look ahead to November and how we're supposed to take in what Trump is doing? Um, I to the second point, I think how we take in what Trump is doing is just day by day because if you try to do it all at once, <laughs> you, you might as well slice all. Um, but looking at November, I think if I can bring this back a bit, um, I think this makes Biden's VP choice even more important because Mm -hmm. this election isn't just about policy and where did you where do your party lines fall whoever is inaugurated next january is going to be in the second wave of corona as soon as they are inaugurated Mm -hmm. um all of the all of the science says that winter is going to be a second wave and even worse than what we're experiencing right now. Um, So it would come down to Biden and his VP pick, if they win, um, to immediately deal with this national crisis, an international crisis. Um, So I I think that's also impacting why it's going to be such a, like, monumental decision for Biden to choose someone to be his VP and why this election means much more than Trump's bigotry of against immigrants and um, Trump's say it like it is personality, even though he, he doesn't actually mean what he says. Um, and I don't know, like it's, it's extremely hard to, to think about November at a time like this mm-hmm. and think about the future, but it does give me a bit of hope that it's under nine months until the next inauguration and it could be someone that isn't Trump and it could be someone who could actually face the kind of crisis that we're facing. Um, So I think you got to take Trump day by day, but you also have to have a bit of faith that those days are limited. Right. Toby, any thoughts on what we're seeing on the the Trump playbook right now or uh, what we might be seeing in the the months ahead? I mean, yeah, I agree with what Vaughn says, but I do think it is political. Like, I do think that Mitch McConnell and the Republicans have a a great cynicism for government and a great cynicism for for people like Fauci and the modelers and the the experts and the the think tank people. I do think it's, it's, it's true. Um, and I think it's all exemplified by when Trump said, you know, I've never been in a model. Well, at least not the, the, that kind of model, you know. <laughs> they don't care about, like, data and expertise. They don't care about it. And yeah. I think the Georgia's, Georgia's um, plan to reopen the economy um, by the governor, Kemp, exemplifies this, you know. While the experts are saying that high... Um, contact areas like barbershops and um, and tattoo parlors shouldn't be open. They're they're opening them up, and mm-hmm. a lot of this, and there's there are business lobbyists who are pushing the governor to do that, mm-hmm. and there are also these these protest groups that are pushing. And, and and to be honest, like it is it is sad because a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have been furloughed or lost their jobs completely, um, and the the economic models say that only 80% of the economy is going to be up and running in the maybe in the next couple of years, which is this is really disastrous. But I don't but I don't think that 
I, I, I think that this is a really good opportunity for a lot of people who don't like um, experts and scientists and modelers, you know, the, the same people who didn't like the, the models that were being put together about um, Brexit and the economy. You know, I think a lot of the, the movement towards people like Trump and Brexit is, a, is an anti, it's just, it's anti- It's anti-intellectual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's anti-intellectual. Yeah, it's 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 like Hofstad has um, said. It's it's the the anti-intellectualism of the of, in American life. You know, it's it's uh, and and I, and I think this is why a lot of these these things are happening, and and it's it's why a lot of Republican governors are taking the taking needless risks with their their populations, especially with their African American populations in 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 Georgia who are. You know, some of the people at the front line of, of, of this, because they just don't have any any kind of um, appreciation for that kind of of government, and they don't feel the government really needs that. It's it's much more about you know Trump's personality and mm. uh, and the more sort of um, I think uh, basic interests that they have uh, financially. Yeah. I think what. Sorry, Val, on you go. Okay. Um, I, I think that's definitely a great point, but um, I th- like I think the politicians see it still politically, but right now we're at 26 million people unemployed, which is just unprecedented. For a UK context, I figured this out yesterday, that's every county in the south of England, every county um, is just about i think 27 million so uh-huh. all of southern england population is unemployed right now in the states and i think that's only going to get worse like you said so if the election were next month i think there would still be a lot of this kind of pseudo conservative um pushback against the into like intellectualism and models and charts and everything but I think because the election is in November, we're going to see a lot of fed up people um, if things don't change. If things just continue to get worse and nothing gets better by November, I think I think a lot more people will care much more about someone who can fix this rather than allying with their party or with Trump. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I, I do think that's true, and I think that's we're seeing that in some of the polling yeah. in Georgia, where most people don't feel that the measures that Kemp is taking really reflect the harm that the the virus is is um, reaping on 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 people in the, in the state. It it kind of feels like if this were a movie, it'd be almost too obvious a uh, kind of turning point in the idea that. Over the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, anti-intellectualism has kind of gripped much of the Western world. You, you see the kind of leaders that uh, have moved up with populism and uh, populist uh, ideas. You know, you look, you look at the Trump movement, you look at the Tea Party movement, you look at the Brexit movement, you look at what's happening in Brazil. This idea that we don't want people who are, you know, the eggheads who sit in an office and come up with policy. We want someone who, you know, speaks plain truths and, you know, I can get a beer with and who, you know, doesn't like the same people I don't like and all this kind of stuff and we are now we are faced where it would actually be really good if it was eggheads who were running the country rather than people who think that you know sunlight will somehow cure the virus or things like that just get the sun inside 
Yeah. So if this if this were a movie, you know, or, or a TV show, maybe this is the turning point where we stop electing people because we think they're funny or their haircut's a bit silly like Boris Johnson or we just like that they're a little bit racist like we are. You know, m- maybe we maybe there would be a turning point where it goes actually we need someone who can handle a crisis correctly you know we need a, a leslie nope type character who will actually see the see the <laughs> presidency through with with some level of kind of uh intellectual uh wisdom rather than you know hillary clinton. hillary clinton well there y- yes although she brings, <laughs> she brings other things to the table i have to mm-hmm. say uh i I think it would be very optimistic thinking to assume that, um, you know, we are going to move away necessarily from the populism that has kind of taken over large parts of those countries. But at the same time, you know, there are 35 percent or whatever is of Americans who probably wouldn't vote for those types of people anyway, just because they're so hardcore in their beliefs. So it's very hard to try and project what this coronavirus is going to do tomorrow, let alone how it's going to change the political landscape in decades to come. But it does kind of highlight as we've moved away from hiring people who are maybe best for the job to hiring people who I want to get a beer with. that's We've now kind of landed in a situation where it would actually be good if the American president wasn't actually a fucking lunatic. Mm. Yeah, and saying it's like people you want to go to beer with, that's why people wanted to vote for George W. Bush, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, it's, I mean, for me, the, the conservative movement in the 60s and 70s, as much as I disagree with it, it was a movement of ideas. Mm-hmm. But in order to try to keep conservatives in power, once those ideas sort of dissipated and and were made to seem less credible because of economic changes and because of some of the inequalities those ideas have created, the the way to keep conservatives in power is is switching totally away from So You have people like George Bush, like Sarah Palin, Mm -hmm. like Trump, like Boris Johnson. And this kind of crisis has been waiting, you know, Mm -hmm. it's been waiting. Um... I think that, like you say, it, it is a movie trope, kind of, to, to go ask the, the science nerds for help now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, I think it's a trope because that's historically founded. Like, mm-hmm. there's reason that the Renaissance followed the Black Plague, and there's reason the Enlightenment followed the um, Civil War in the English Civil War. Mm-hmm. It, I think it is a turning point in history where people are now poised to face a national crisis um, or an international a global crisis in a way that has never happened before. This this is foundationally different from World War Two or World War One. Um, and the impacts are uncertain, sure. But I, I do think it's something where people will reevaluate some of the decisions that we've made on either personal, local, national, or international scales um, coming out of this. Yeah, and you can really see what competence can really do in these kinds of situations. Like yeah. people like Kemp, Kemp was slow to do testing. Trump was slow to do testing. There's re- uh, released reports with, on Boris Johnson's initial plans where they were slow to, to think about testing, slow to have contingency mm-hmm. plans. And then you comp- compare that, as uh, Simon said, to Germany, where, you know, they, they had a plan and they have managed to have, even though they have quite high um, rates of, uh, of people getting the virus, to have incredibly low rates of death. Yeah, and, and 
that's just I mean, part of that is, is because of the German um, health system mm-hmm. and some of and German Germany's own um, sort of uh, age demographics, but also it's 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 just competence really. Yeah, and I, I know it's, it's a different scenario, but you look at New Zealand, which had a competent president or prime minister, sorry, mm-hmm. and you know they were they basically shut down the country nice and early, and they've had like no deaths or something. It's just I, it, it's very different trying to see how a very small country like New Zealand handles it compared to a big mechanical thing like America but it does kind of highlight the difference in in leadership there between a country that takes these things seriously and move quickly and diligently compared to something like even Britain you know where we have potentially a quote-unquote better health system than America but we suffer from say leadership who wants to kind of nudge us towards herd mentality and initially said oh it's you know people you love are going to die sorry about that and then a couple weeks later they decided to you know actually move away from that it's yeah it's kind of night and day in, in certain countries anyway that's that off my chest um <laughs> so is there anything else that you guys want to get off your chest before we uh we end today's show we obviously have some slightly more i don't know if it's any more or less dramatic certainly more surprising news that kim jong-un is apparently either dead or in a vegetative state before we move on to uh, our north korean correspondent toby uh, is there anything else that we want to touch on that's happening in America right now? Uh, 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 Piers Morgan has um, oh, attracted yeah. support mm-hmm. for, for Boris Johnson, which is... For Boris Johnson, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trump, which is... Uh, same thing, different flavor. Yeah, same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like a... Have you guys ever watched uh, Dragon Ball Z? I've seen like parts a, of it. Yeah. It's like two two cells, like the two versions of cell. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, that's that's how <laughs> the difference <laughs> Although <laughs> I, I mean, I quite like it, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So um, the the peers who had been supporting Trump mm-hmm. basically since the beginning has uh, said because of the, the Trump's um, mad cure with the uh, you know bleach and with the UV rays, he said that uh, Trump has unfollowed him because uh, peers had said bad things about him. Um, and I think Piers, to be honest, is a fool. Um, I don't really know why he supported Trump. He just he would just he disliked Trump because celebrities dislike Trump, and he's just the contrarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, and no one really knows what Piers's politics are. He just tries to be the sort of spirit of the nation uh, journalist, mm-hmm. and it's 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 grating. And it, I mean. Okay, you you're not supporting Trump uh, anymore, which is nice. But I mean, you you're sort of part of the part of the um, journalistic class that tried to normalize a lot of the things that he was doing. And the, at the beginning of the his presidency, he was you know he he increased um, a lot a lot of the sort of draconian immigration me- measures. You had kids in cages. You you had. Um, you had him saying things like um, people who were con- condemning Jewish people were just as good as the people who were, you know, anti-fascists. Mm. I mean, it it and and, and Piers supported all of this. So I, I I really don't. I mean, it's 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 it makes for a nice story, but this is not someone who, when the history books are written, is going to be well, you know, uh, recorded. No, I, I think. I- Sorry, Paul, where you go? Um, I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting to see when um, 
when Trump supporters stop being Trump supporters and you kind of find what the line for them is. Mm -hmm. Because it's always surprising to me. Like when you look back at all of the things that have happened with Trump, you would think if you've been supporting him this far, you kind of should probably just keep going, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess I guess it comes down to is is he a Trump supporter or is he a Pierce Morgan supporter? And I guess the answer will always be he's a Pierce Morgan supporter. You look at the contrast between someone like <laughs> him and, say, uh, Katie Hopkins, is it? The the troll, who uh, the right-wing troll in Britain. Um, you know, she, she is very much, uh, will always play the troll line, so she's always going to support Trump, even if he was like, let's, you know, blow up London. You know, she'd be like, oh, that's, that's actually a good idea. I don't like anyone in London. You know, whereas... Piers will take stands on certain things. You know, he's very, for instance, he's very much against the the obsession with American gun culture and the the gun crimes there. And you know, he get, he gets attacked on uh, quite a lot on the right for that. Whereas, I think other people who would support Trump might be kind of more all in. I think I think Piers is always willing to be a little bit more tactical, at least in the sense of he doesn't mind being the contrarian on certain things and. I think he wants to, I think his brand is to be in the news. And so attacking Boris Johnson or attacking Trump, I think is maybe good for him in the sense that he's, you know, allying uh, allying himself with the NHS, for instance, which is only going to be, you know, in Britain, for instance, only going to become more popular now because of what we're going through here, whether or not he'd actually support, you know, legislation to actually improve the NHS or whether or not he's just more of a fan of you know empty gestures and you know people applauding from London Bridge and that kind of stuff I I guess we don't really know but um I guess when it comes to American politics I'm it is surprising that he's turned on Trump but as you say Trump is it's very hard to grade what Trump's done worse at as far as all the terrible things he's done but you know when it comes to you know locking children in cages and everything else he's done as you say it's at what point do they draw the line which i think is a <laughs> a very fair point of all other than yeah definitely on you go toby and I, I would also say say that as vaughn says like it's it's weird to see like when people stop supporting trump so with the republicans like the people who first stopped supporting him were the foreign policy hawks mm-hmm. who didn't like what he was saying about the un or you know the fact that he didn't want to have you know war with north korea and things like that and so they slipped out. But the economists, the sort of center-right economists, stayed with him for a long period until the trade issue. Then they went. But it's the cultural conservatives mm-hmm. that have stayed with him for the longest. And I think that Piers sort of rides a little bit of that wave as well, mm-hmm. even though he's sort of more from the, the UK. And I think it's it's taken a lot longer for him to to sort of slip out. So before we move on to Kim Jong-un then, is there anything you guys want to uh, touch upon? I mean, there's so much. I mean, you know, from Trump's attack on the American Post Office to, you know, whatever the hell Trump is kind of tweeting about that. You know, I mean, he was talking about Triple H, the wrestler, like at 6 a.m. the other day, you know, just because, you know, why not at this point? But uh, um, I guess we should pro- I guess we should probably move, move on to Kim Jong-un now. Toby and I were just saying very briefly this morning that, it's kind of hard to figure Kim Jong-un in the world environment because North Korea seems so detached from the rest of the world. It's kind of like the emperor of Jupiter has died or something like that. It's kind of disconnected from how we have any sort of day-to-day relation with politics and with the world around us. 
I mean, I live in Scotland and I'm talking about American politics, but American politics still feels as if it's, you know, part of the world I live in, even if it is somewhat detached. Whereas something like North Korea, it it feels so different. Vaughn, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on what's what's going to lie ahead if, if Kim Jong-un does die and perhaps his sister takes over with regards to either North Korean relationships with America or just how we view North Korea? Um, I, I have to say that this came as a shock to me last night when I saw this for the first mm-hmm. time, um, all about his health and how there's, there are so many differing accounts. It was a lot of, it was, it was all coming from news outlets in quotes. Um, yeah, there's like a journalist in China who has connections or, you know, it's that type of thing yeah. rather than it being like. No. and like, it's like tmz broke it and this TMZ kind of stuff, broke you know, it, yeah it, it's it's it, it's you know it's kind of like putting a can on a piece of string and just kind of hoping that you hear something kind of thing rather than actually getting any verified news because we, we don't i mean for all we know he is going to pull through and he's going to be fine or as soon as we publish this episode it's announced he's dead we just have no idea how to understand what's happening in north korea and how the actual news spills out but um yeah, it, 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 I'd say I agree with you. When the news sort of spilled last night, it, it was like he's had a botched surgery and he's maybe in a bad state. But it's like, how, how do you process what what the news is going to be like? Yeah, and there there was one article that was saying that they spotted his personal train outside of <laughs> an estate home in um, in like the countryside. And there was a lot of this conjecture around what does this train mean in this spot and is he there or is he somewhere else? And it it was just such a bizarre kind of, like I was reading these, these articles from questionable sources, so grain of salt, whatever, but mm-hmm. it was just such a bizarre kind of thing to read after reading breakdowns of Biden's VP choices mm-hmm. and Trump's response to coronavirus that I, I don't even know if I have an opinion on it because it's it's just so bizarre and foreign to me to like think about this, if that makes sense. Are you going to write a girl boss article on the empowerment of a female dictator in North Korea now? I mean, it's definitely <laughs> on the docket. Yes, queen. It's time we had a female dictator. Um, I bet she could rock a nice mustache though. All dictators. They need to have the mustache. I think she should go for even wilder hair than he has. It's the only natural progression. It is, yeah. Toby, you you spend a lot of time in North Korea, just, well, you know, sort of spiritually, if not physically. Uh, <laughs> what, what what are your what are your thoughts on when the news sort of broke last night and how things have been filtering out to us? Well, it's just like um, someone said, she's a dictate her, isn't she? <laughs> Which is uh, <laughs> a great thing. Um, to be honest, when I heard it, I don't really know. Uh, anything about North Korea but when I heard it I was I was kind of sad to be honest um he for me he's like you said he's just like the the emperor of Jupiter he was just like a character who yeah. would sort of tie people to trees and then uh hit them with rockets he, he's just mm-hmm. he was just mad mm-hmm. but but then I I suppose that living um in a sort of cadre of people where there's a lot of um backstabbing and killing must have been quite tough and quite stressful for him 
but then I, I suppose that his personality was must must have been different from that of his father and his father's father because they managed to have a long storied um, dictatorship instead of his you know ephemeral uh, brightly flashing and then mm-hmm. uh, dying one yeah yeah I mean I'd, I I mean interesting thing is, is his um, I mean there, there are a lot of corners of the of the internet where there's a lot of um, pictures about his sister and people saying that his sister's cute or his sister's a girl boss or that the anime community actually really likes his sister. There's um, a lot of pictures of her with um, uh, toast in her mouth, which they, they find cute. And um, she's been compared to Spirited Away characters too. So, wow. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> that's kind of hard to process. I mean, yeah, I, 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 from what from the very limited knowledge I have of her, I believe she's kind of the one of the chief architects of the kind of propaganda machine over there, and she's kind of risen through the ranks quite, quite quickly and quite powerfully. So, I mean, it, it's impossible to know anything about North Korea, let alone you know how one leadership change move, moves from kind of Kim Jong Un to his sister. But it's it, if. It just feels like, again, if this were a TV show, it'd be like, ah, yeah, we've kind of put too much in 2020 already. We're only in April and you've got the North Korean dictator dying. Can we not like save that for next year after the election and that kind of stuff? It's just we've only had a quarter of the year or whatever. And we're, you know, I don't know, or a third of the year. Um, It's just it's it, it seems too much. I, I don't I don't know where the news goes if this is only one third of the year. I don't know. what I don't know what happens in the next third. Uh, <laughs> I know. Daunting, kind Daunting. of. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> it's I know. Once you kind of think that we've we've moved from. I mean, what was the stories in January that you know? What we were looking at, sort of presidential picks for November, and you know that that kind of stuff. And it's just it seems it seems years ago that we were talking about primaries in in America, and you know whether or not. You know, Bernie had a real chance, and you know the world has just moved on so much since then. It's just, I'm terrified to think what the next three months are going to hold. To be honest, um, to be honest, we could probably keep talking about the news for the next hour or so. I mean, there's, I mean, just I was just reading this morning that apparently Biden is quite worried that Trump's going to try and move the election in November, which is a whole different story in itself. And if we do have a, a second oh. wave of coronaviruses, then God only knows what what will happen. Um, is there anything you guys want to uh, get off your chest before we uh, end close up today? Um, I think an interesting news story that I saw was Mitt Romney endorsing Biden. I think you could have just ended it. Really? An interesting news story was Mitt Romney. I mean, Mitt Romney, yeah, just just Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> Mitt Romney. Wait, Simon. Oh, he's a Biden supporter, isn't he? Yeah, I read that yesterday. Um, really was really surprising right that makes so much sense because he has a binder full of women so then Biden can choose one of them for VP oh. there you go so it's, all, <laughs> it's all coming together oh well there you go uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's really going to sway the uh, the middle voters who are deciding which way to vote the fact that Romney is uh, telling them to vote for Biden um, wow I, I, didn't, I didn't actually hear that's news to me I guess that's news to you Toby 
Wow. <laughs> Wait, let me make sure that's actually legitimate because now I'm questioning it. It it really shocked me though when I was reading it, which is maybe. Let's have a look. Mm. I'm reading something from March that says Romney will back a. Uh, that's a probe into something else. Um, I'm just going to believe it's true, to be honest, because I quite like the sound of it. It's edgy, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who, else, who else can we say? Sarah Palin is backing Biden. Who else can we say is backing Biden? Wait, when that's confirmed, or if that's confirmed, um, we should do a podcast on that. <laughs> we should, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe cut that from this one. But <laughs> Well, Toby does a weekly podcast about Romney anyway, so we can just kind of fit into that one. I mean, I do too, but only in the shower to myself. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I think this is genuinely stunned Toby. I'm not sure he's going to be able to process the rest of the day now. Uh... I'm I'm now just furiously Googling to see. Yeah, I am too. Oh, wait, there's something here that says lead stories. I don't know how important that is. Fact check, Mick Romney did not endorse it. So, uh, did did Mitt Romney endorse Joe Biden for president? No, that's not true. The story was published by a liberal satire website that tries to mislead Trump supporters. According to lead stories, although I'm guessing that's probably a, a right-wing media thing in itself. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we should still run with it. Mitt Romney, <laughs> the, news, the news has just come into Impressions of America. <laughs> Mitt Romney has uh, endorsed Joe Biden. Uh, Vaughn, you were the one who actually broke the story. Uh, can you tell us whether or not there's any truth that uh, Mitt Romney will be the VP uh, choice for uh, Biden's uh, November election? I, I think it's actually rumored that Joe Biden's going to step down and Romney will be the Democratic nominee. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> please, Andrew Cuomo, please save me. I'm, I'm here alone. I need you. Toby, what are your thoughts on Mitt Romney in general and the the news breaking that he is in fact now a diehard Biden supporter? Uh, I, I I'm crazy now. I think <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was the straw that did it. Okay, so is there any other news you either know of or that you'd like to make up, Toby? Uh... <laughs> no, I, I think I've, I've been. Um... Yeah, it's too much too much anxiety from that <laughs> <laughs> On the next Impressions uh, uh, of America. <laughs> next, okay, well, look out for our next episode where we have three hours of just Mitt Romney. Vaughn, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, on a previous episode, uh, you got informed about even more breaking news, which was that uh, uh, Bill Clinton wrote fiction around... Uh, uh, yeah. President being good. Any any progress on that? Did you look into any, that any further? I haven't yet. I forgot that was a thing, and I can't wait. What was yeah. that again? <laughs> okay. Well, I I think we should generally try and have like a book of the month club or something. We yeah. can maybe we can maybe pick that one and then move on to you know like the right wing media crazy people. You know how they always write a book after a few months of being in the spotlight. Maybe we can pick one of those after we do a, a Clinton novel. Right. The president is missing. <laughs> James Patterson. This yeah. is this. I forgot about this because 2020 is the hottest mess of my life. Exactly. Uh, but I need I need this hot mess. You know, <laughs> this one's this is going to make it all better. I really think we should generally have like a, a report on that book, Vaughn, the next time we do an episode oh. or in the future. 
I'm about to order it on Amazon right now. <laughs> like, I, I would be very happy just to, like, give over, like, 20 minutes of a future show so you can, like, describe it to Toby and I. Oh, it's only three pounds. It's a- <laughs> I'm buying this right now. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. Okay, great. Well, we've got we've got a future show sorted already. Uh, right, well, I think we know what Vaughn's going to be doing this afternoon now. She, well, she's going to be ordering that, and then next week I think she's going to be uh, reading that intensely. Uh, Toby, are you reading anything uh, by a president right now? Any Nixon memoirs or anything? Oh, I have so many Nixon memoirs. <laughs> I, just, I just dip into different ones. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we should probably end the show before all three of us go even more insane than we already are. Right. Um, Vaughn, thank you for joining us today. I really hope you enjoy that reading on the, the Clinton book. I can't. If there's any other fictional news that you'd like to make up, uh, please just <laughs> let, let us know and we'll create a podcast around it. Good, yeah. Uh, Toby, try and recover from the Romney news if you can. You seem genuinely quite panicked. <laughs> I, I genuinely am. And, um, <laughs> yep. Okay, well, from Vaughn, Toby and Mitt Romney, and of course myself, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will have a, a new episode of Impression of America at some point in the near future. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.